if you're new to Holland Chapel, you, you may not know this, but this sweet lady singing right here, Miss Debbie, and this lady right here, Miss Julie, is it's a mother-daughter combination. I don't know if you knew that or not. And I am so thankful that God gifts people to sing. Amen? Wow. Have you been blessed by the singing this morning? It's awesome. It's awesome. And that goes for everybody on stage, very gifted people in ways that I am not, and I'm thankful for you. I've had the, the privilege of hearing uh, Miss Debbie and Julie sing almost my entire life, and I'm so thankful for them. Well, this morning, church, I'm glad you're here. My name is Luke, one of the pastors at Holly Chapel, and we are in our sermon series called My Church and I. This is week two. Last week, we discussed I have something to do. If I'm going to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to be a part of his church, then I have something to do. I've got, I've got a job to do. I've got to serve. I've got to do something to serve the kingdom. Uh, and if you notice within the church email this week, there was a link in there on how to, how to serve. If you click that link, it takes you to the, the digital serve booklet. We would love for you to take time uh, to click on that link to fill out areas within the church that you feel gifted and areas in which you want to serve. If that's not for you, we've got a hard copy back here in the Connect Corner. We want you to pick one of those up, find your place to serve, get plugged in to put Jesus on display. Also, this sermon series entitled My Church and I, we're using the book called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. We've got those books available for you back there in the Connect Corner as well. If you want to follow along, if you've never read that book, we would encourage you to grab one of those. Those are our free gift to you that you can look at those and read and grow in your membership, uh, a part of God's family. But this morning, week two, we're going we're gonna to talk about unity. The title of this morning's message, this, this thought, is, I will help bring it together. I will help bring the church together. I want to make this statement. If we aren't actively, listen to me, if we aren't actively seeking to bring the family of God together, we are a part of dividing the church. You see, you're either all in and bringing it together, or you're a part of the division. I know that's a tough statement, but it's either I'm going to be a part of bringing it together, or I'm going to be a part of bringing about division. We have to be people that seek to bring the family of God together. That's part of our responsibility as a member of God's church is to help bring it together. You ever been a part of a team, whether that team be a, a sports team whether that team be uh, uh, something to do at work, like you, you got put on a work project, not by your choice, and you, and you were placed with people, and, and your company said, this is your team, right? Uh, accomplish a project. Anybody like having flashbacks to a nightmare, you know what I'm talking about? And, and you get put on that team, whether it be sports or whether it be something at work, and from the start, there's disunity. You know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching to myself? Anybody, have you ever been put on one of those? And from the beginning, you know, this, this thing's not working out. And for the entire time that you're a part of that team, it's miserable. 
Nothing about that experience is enjoyable. And once the experience is finally over, maybe that's the only thing that you enjoyed about it, was that it was over. You, you looked and you did not get the results in which you desired. Why? Because there was no unity. That, that team was fractured. Well, it's no different amongst God's church. When we are here and we're, we're not under the same purpose, with one mind, bound by the Spirit of God, it's not a fun place to be. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, you've probably seen this. It's miserable, isn't it? Oh, I'm going to speak to the guests this morning because you're probably thinking, whoo, of all Sundays for me to pick this church, something is going on. Their pastor's getting on to them. Listen, we're, this church, we are experiencing precious unity. I need something, church. Amen. And it is a joy to be a part of Holland Chapel. So if you are a guest and you're thinking, what Sunday did I jump into? Well, I don't want to be a part of this place. Listen, nope. I'm not addressing a problem here at Holland Chapel. But if you heard that, that previous statement, we've got to be constantly seeking unity or we'll lose it. It's got to be something that's on the front of our mind constantly within the family of God. Because division can happen overnight. So it's something that I believe we are enjoying right here, right now, at Holland Chapel. And listen to me, church, that is not by accident. This church is experiencing the favor of God. Let's give credit where credit is due. By the grace of God, we are experiencing precious times here at Holland Chapel. And I believe he uses the saints, the people of God, to usher in unity. So it's something we got to be fighting for. It's something that's got to be on our minds. It's something we have to be pursuing or we will lose it. So this morning, this thought, how can I help bring it together? It's going to be on the screen. We should write that down. Or maybe for us, in our context, how can I keep it together? Right? How, can I, how can I help maintain the unity that we are experiencing here at Holland Chapel? Because make no mistake, it's precious and it can disappear. I want you to write, we're going to have several points this morning. I want you to write these things down. So write, how can I help bring it together? Then I want you to write this down. We need to seek to be spirit-led. Seek to be spirit-led. If you remember some of our reading last week out of the, uh, the book of Corinthians, Paul is talking to Jews and the Gentiles, and here's what he says. He, he says the same Spirit is for both, and that same Spirit unites both. So if we are children of God united, listen to me, united by the Spirit of God, shouldn't we be people that are led by the Spirit of God? We should seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you've been raised in the Baptist church, what did he just say? Filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody get a little unnerved, right? Have you been to church for a while here at the Baptist church? Uh, listen, we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. We need to talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot more. Amen? If you've been changed by the gospel, if you've been saved by Jesus, I want you to hear me. We've got to believe this. The Holy Spirit indwells you. But how often, oh, listen to me, how often 
Do we ask the Spirit to fill us, lead us, and guide us? I think we neglect Him. And listen to me, the Spirit of God is God. Are, are we asking to be Spirit-filled people? If we're united by the Spirit, let us be led by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to go there. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read 15 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5. All right, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most, listen to me, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many passages of Scripture that we could have used that talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why was this one chosen? Because what Paul does here in this particular teaching is he's saying that your life as a child of God has purpose. He's saying, your life as a child of God should be lived in such a way that is led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. He says, don't live thoughtlessly. Don't fill your mind and heart with anything else. That's what the drunk with wine portion means. Don't fill your mind, your heart, your body with anything else other than the Spirit of God. He's saying, be filled with the Spirit. If you are filled with the Spirit, your life will be lived with purpose. With purpose. So he's begging God's children right here, live in the Spirit. Listen to this phrase. A united church is a Spirit-filled church. How does a church get filled with the Holy Spirit? Each individual must be filled with the Spirit. Are you begging God, lead my life, direct my every step, fill me with your Spirit and nothing else? If we want to do our part in bringing about unity amongst the family of God, we as individuals have to be Spirit-filled people. So what does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit do for you and I? I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Go to Galatians chapter 5, very famous passage of Scripture. We're going to read 15 to 16, and we're going to jump down to 22 and 23. This first part, I, I want you to read this in the context that Paul is writing to a group of believers. He says, that if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, 
Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What's, what's, he, what's he talking about right here? He, he's saying a life lived apart from the Holy Spirit is a life lived where we, as children of God, are tempted to bite and devour one another. That does not sound like an enjoyable church. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? So he, he's saying, listen, if you want to live that kind of life, if you want to bite and devour and destroy one another, sure, leave out the Holy Spirit. Have fun. But, but he says, listen, watch out. The opposite of that is to be people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled people live in unity. Spirit-filled people live in peace. Let's jump to the very famous passage in verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The fruits of the Spirit. Remember where we're at. My church and I, if I'm going to be a person that's bringing about unity amongst the family of God, I've got to be a person that's Spirit-filled. The Word of God says, if the Spirit of God fills you, this is what your life will be evidence of. Did you read that list, church? What a beautiful place of worship that would be. Amen. If, if these were exhibited all the time, let's read them again. Love, that would be awesome. If every child of God was living in love, joy, woo! How about this one? Peace, that would be great, would it not? Patience. Anybody in here just not a patient person? Just want to own that up and be with me on stage like I'm not patient. I need the Holy Spirit all the time. Kindness. Boy, if we can't find kindness within the family of God, where will we find it? Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Imagine, I know we're flawed on this side of eternity, and I long for a time where we're in heaven and we experience all of these things all the time. But what if right now we begged God to fill us with his spirit so each of these are evident in our life, so we can show up to corporate gathering, we can go and be the church, and our lives would be lived in such a way where people see each of these. Man, it would change each and every one of us. It would change God's church. It would bring about unity. So Paul is saying, instead of the kind of nonsense that brings about the bickering, the fighting, the devouring, be filled with the Spirit. To bring about unity, we need to pray and ask God to fill us with His Spirit. The next thing that I want you to write down is that we need to spread the truth of the gospel, not gossip. I feel alone. Anybody want to give me like a, that's a good one. Anybody? Like I feel alone with that one. Spread the truth of the gospel, not 
gossip. Nothing. I'll repeat, nothing will split a church quicker than gossip. If you remember, during the Ten Commandments, we spoke about not slandering. And in that particular message, we learned what Jesus says about our idle words. He says, you will give an account for every idle word spoken. What does idle word mean? Words spoken without any thought. Gossip, speaking about things in which we do not know, causing division amongst God's people. Satan, listen to me, Satan loves for the people of God to start talking because he knows how fast our words will split a church. And let's, let's be honest. While we're here amongst God's people, why would we be talking about anything other than Jesus? Spread the truth of the gospel, not gossip. How do we work on this? Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. What are we talking about here? The, the, the teaching of the leaders within the church, teaching God's people. Unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let's jump to 2 Peter 3.18. It's going to be on the screen. It says, rather... You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God changes you, saves you, you start walking with Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, listen to me, church, He changes you. He changes every aspect of your life. He doesn't just clean up your Friday nights. He cleans up your speech. He, he changes your life. And if we are people that are being changed by the Spirit of God, that should be the message on our lips everywhere we go. How good is God? Look at what He's done in my life. He's so faithful. Man, He's helping me. There should be no room for gossip on our lips. Amen? If you are being changed by the gospel, ask God to let you only speak of the gospel and not of gossip because that will fracture a church. That will slow down the kingdom progression that Holland Chapel has so much potential for. You want to put a speed bump in the road? Start talking. That'll slow it down. Grow in faith and knowledge. Maturing Christians know that what they say has power. So make sure what you say is what you should be saying. But I get it. I really do. We, we show up here. We've had a rough week, right? Maybe our, maybe our spirit's a little bitter, a little angry. So we show up here. We've had a bad week, and man, we're just negative, and all our conversations need to be negative. Listen, if you've had a bad week, speak the name of Jesus. But just the opposite's true. If you've had a good week, listen to me. Speak the name of Jesus. Don't fall into Satan's trap 
to allow your circumstances to run down others with your speech. Do not gossip. Spread the truth of the gospel. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 17. It says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in what church? Peace. And always be thankful. Verse 16, underline this, highlight this. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let the message about Jesus be on your lips, not gossip. If he's changed your life, why would you talk about anything else other than him? The third thing that I want you to write down, if we're going to be people that bring about unity, then we need to love and serve those who may be different. Take a moment to read that. Maybe you need to write that down. Let's talk about it for a moment. Love and serve those who may be different than you. We are all different from one another. Every single one of us. We're all different. And we're called to love and to serve one another. I get it. Each one of us come to Christ in our, in, our own, uh, in our own time, in our own phase, right? We've got some people in this room been walking with Jesus a really long time, and they're very mature. We've got some people that have been walking with Jesus for a very short amount of time, and they're immature. And we've got some that fall in the middle and everywhere in between. And because we are at different phases along this spiritual journey, we're all going to be different we're going to think about things differently. Maybe the Spirit hasn't revealed what, what it's revealed to you. And I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm processing. I'm growing. We're, we're all different. We're all coming at this journey from a different perspective. And when you put all of those people in the same room, it can be a little wild sometimes, right? We're all different, but we've all been united, as Paul would say, by the same Spirit. Let's read the words of Jesus, John chapter 13, 34 and 35. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another 
will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What's going on right here? This particular verse removed from context may not have the weight, so let's put it in context for a moment. What is Jesus doing in this very moment? He's about to leave. When I say leave, he's about to down a cross and leave his disciples. And what we just read in the Word of God is that Jesus, in one of these last acts of obedience and servanthood, takes off his cloak, and he's got these 12 disciples in this room. He, he, he bows down, he takes his uh, garment, he dips it in water, and he washes their feet. He serves them. And then he gives up his life on the cross because he loves them. And he, and he gives them this example do as I have done to you. Now, what's the importance in that? Those 12 men were nothing like Jesus. Those 12 men were nothing like one another. But they had been brought together in the same spirit. Some were accountants. Some were fishermen. Some were wealthy some were poor. Some came from the highly desirable part of town. Some did not. Yet the gospel brought them all together. Put them in the same room. And Jesus served each and every one of them. And he loved them in all of their differences. They were brought together by the Spirit of God. So as a child of God... We need to love everyone, even those that may be different than me. What does this look like in our context? Between the two services, I don't know, several hundred people attend Holland Chapel. And listen to me, this is not to make you feel bad. I'm not dogging on anyone. But this is how life tends to happen within the church. We gravitate to people that are like us don't we? That's life. And if we aren't careful, the people that are like us in our groups are the ones that we are more likely to serve. Those are the ones that we are more likely to love. Yet God has brought us all here together. We have to learn how to love and serve even those that are different. What do I mean by that? Man, those that, that may act a little different than we do. Those that think a little different than we do. Those that parent a little different than we do. Those that, whew, here we go, vote a little different than we do. Why don't I just go ahead and draw a line right down the middle of this church and we'll just go here and here, right? Jesus says, love and serve those, everyone. Whether they are like you or not. But I want to make something really clear. Differences are okay. We're all different. They're okay. Differences are not okay when the things we disagree upon are sinful. I'm not asking you to look past sin. 
I'm asking you to look past differences. Did y'all catch that? Don't brush over anyone's sin because you love them, call them out. Say repent. But just the differences of life, the things that naturally split us, don't let that happen within the family of God. He's saying love and serve everyone. So often, though, we, we know, right, that they're different than me. They, they think different. They act different. They do everything differently than I do. And, and I'm, I'm over here, and, and they're over there. We come in here. We, we worship, and we, we, we sing. We hear the same message. But as long as you're over there and, and I'm over here, we'll just make that work. Is that, is that a message of unity, church? Not at all. What does Jesus say? Your love for one another will show a lost world that you're mine. It's easy to love those that are like you. But when a family of believers are brought together because of the Spirit of God, it shows the world that we're capable of loving. Don't we want to be known as people that love? I think... We need to be known as people that love. John Piper writes this, hate serious blunders. Did you hear that? Not sincere brothers. I want to read from Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who he was, one of the most famous preachers of the gospel to ever live. He writes this. Bear with me. It's a lengthy quote. He says, where the spirit of God is, there must be love. And if I have once known and recognized any man to be my brother in Christ Jesus, the love of Christ constraineth me no more to think of him as a stranger or foreigner, but a fellow citizen with the saints. He goes on to write, Now I hate high churchism as my soul hates Satan. But I love George Hebert. Although George Hebert is a desperately high churchman, I hate his high churchism. But I love George Hebert from my very soul. And I have a warm corner in my heart for every man who is like him. Let me find a man who loves my Lord Jesus Christ as George Hebert did, and I do not ask myself whether I shall love him or not. There is no room for question, for I cannot help myself unless I can leave off loving Jesus Christ. I cannot cease loving those who love him. You catch that? A little background. I'll make it real, real fast. George and Charles, they didn't live in the same time. George is a very famous Christian poet. He writes of his love of God in poetry. He was a clergyman for the Church of England, high church legalism. Yet in his writings, it was very apparent that he was madly in love with God. And Charles and his wife would read that poetry on Sunday evenings after he got done preaching. And it would minister to his soul. So he knew without a doubt that George loved the Lord. 
if they would have been raised at the same time and they went to have a cup of coffee, perhaps the only thing they would have in common was Jesus Christ. That's enough, ain't it, church? So look around the room, look around at the church and understand that we're all different. But we're brought together by the same Spirit. And we need to love and serve one another, even though we may be different. It's tough. I get it. But it demonstrates to a lost world that we've been changed by Jesus and that we're His. So church, I beg you, be people that pursue unity. Make it every effort as you pledge to be involved at Holland Chapel. I'm asking you this morning, if you jump into our new membership class, all this is talked about, what we say, gossip, how we need to preserve and protect unity, it's all in there. It's very important to your leaders. It's in the Word of God. Protect unity. Let's be people that pursue it. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for mornings like this morning where we can look at your word, we can examine the truth, we can see what it has for us. We can talk about things like unity because it's so cherished and valued by you. Help us, God, to pursue what you pursue. And that's unity. Help us in areas in which we may fail. Show us where we've messed up and help us to pursue likeness of you. And God, I pray a special prayer over Holland Chapel. Yes, right now we are experiencing precious unity. And so, God, I ask that you protect it. that you keep us focused on Jesus and only Jesus so that we can experience unity continually. Help us, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the cross in which he died so that we can have forgiveness of sins. But I'm so thankful he didn't stay dead, that you raised him from the grave. And our King and Savior lives and He rules and He reigns even today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me? I want to I do this as we close. I'm going to go ahead and ask elders and pastors if you're freed up, just, just be right down here over in this area. Go ahead and come on. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I want to do. In we'll just call them seasons. In seasons of church, there are times where it seems like, man, everybody is experiencing uh, blessing. Everything is going well for a lot of the church members. And then there are seasons where it seems like things are falling apart. Things are coming unraveled. That life is not easy. And I believe we're experiencing one of those times, a lot of the things you don't hear about, we get text messages and phone calls and emails about prayer requests, things that are going on in people's lives. 
And we've got some serious things going on with some of our church family. My mind just thinks just a few. This is not all-encompassing, but Mike and Patsy Culp, who are usually here, they've been dealing with some pretty serious illness. They're on my mind. Brother Tom Honeycutt, who I know without a doubt, if his, if his health would allow him, he would be here. He's, he's been out of the hospital a whole lot. Johnny and, and Gail couples just seem like they, they come up and they face something continually each and every week. We've got Zane Westbrook, who we prayed for in the first service. It just seems like life is unfair and throwing a lot of stuff at him. So his precious parents are on my heart as well. And then we've got those in our church family who have lost loved ones, specifically over the last two weeks. We've got Keith and Amber Harris. Amber Harris, is, she's okay with me sharing this. She's waiting on results from a cancer scare right now. And what I want to do, if you feel compelled, anybody that I mentioned feel compelled, want to come up here, we're, we're going to pray for those in our church family who are going through some tough stuff. Why do we do that? As a sign that we love them, as a sign we want to serve them by approaching God on their behalf. So in just a moment, when I get done, when I walk off the stage, we're going to sing a song. But here's what I want you to do, church. If you feel compelled, come on down here. Gather around uh, the elders, the pastors, and these people. Lift anybody up that's on your mind and your heart that's going through a tough time right now. Why? Because we love people here at Holland Chapel. So I need you to respond in some way this morning, however God prompts you. Come on down and pray for those that are struggling. Respond to Jesus this morning.